This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey up, it's the No Near Never podcast, with your host, Jamie Smith. Hi and welcome to this week's No Near Never podcast. Guests tonight are Kevin Robinson, James Bird and Adam Howarth. It's a prediction special ahead of the new season starting on Monday night. Of course, Chelsea at home is the first game. So we're going to um, stick our necks on the line and try and predict what's going to happen over the course of the next few months. Uh, there'll be a piece going on site as well that you can add all your predictions to in the next couple of days. So uh, it should be interesting to look back at the end of the season and how wrong or right we all were. It'll be a stick to beat us all with, I suppose. Um, none of the panel tonight have been on either of the um, friendlies at Turf more in the last week, so we'll sort of gloss over those. I was at the Turf on Saturday for the Verona game. I thought Burnley were very sharp, looked good in attack. Fitness levels looked excellent. We kept going right to the end, won 3-1. Three different goal scorers. Taylor looked really good. Jukovic looked really good. I think all the signs were pretty good, but you can only tell so much from friendlies, I suppose. Um, so we'll move on to the, the predictions. The one that we want to start with is the title race. It should be quite an interesting one this year, I think. Obviously, Manchester City defending their title. They've won it twice in the last three years, but probably quite wide open this year. James, we'll start with you. Where do you see the title ending up? I can't really look past Chelsea, to be honest. Um, they were a strong side last season, and this season they've made some uh, some really good acquisitions, despite obviously selling a few people as well. So, on the whole, their transfer spend doesn't look too big, but if you look at the players they've got involved, um, it's a formidable squad. And last season, with even with uh, Mourinho insisting they were nowhere near ready to challenge for the title. They weren't far off. Mourinho's um, got a very good record in his second season as well. It tends to be first year he lays the foundations a bit and the second year seems to be when he does really well. So that's worth keeping in mind as well. Kevin, what about you? Where's the title going? Um, well, last season's title race was quite exciting for the first time pretty much um, in a long, long time with Arsenal and Liverpool looking like they could do it this part of the season. Um, but then it ended up being boring with City winning again. Um, Chelsea probably will win it, but just because I'm bored of Premier League title, I'm going to say Arsenal just because they're somebody different. Arsenal, I think, are going to be really... I always say this, I think, 
if they add a couple of players, they'll be really close. And I think there's still a couple of players away, so it'll be interesting think, to see if they can push it a bit closer this time. Yeah, I think I think Arsenal's problem is that we've, we've always got quite a good eleven, but um, we, we don't have a, a, a squad. As soon as one or two players get out, that's that's it. Their season's over. Yeah, apparently they've appointed a new fitness guy who's going to be really important. So it'll be interesting to see if they do stop having all these injuries because the season do seem, it seems to fall apart in the winter when players get injured. So yeah, Arsenal, I think are going to be interesting this season. Adam, what about you? Um, I I'm I'm not actually too sure. I think um it could be a good race this season because we we got um Arsenal looking good in the the Community Shield, even though that doesn't really mean much. Um, you got. Uh, Man City could could challenge again. Um, Chelsea, as you said, second season for Mourinho that they could challenge. And then you've got uh, Van Gaal coming back at, uh, in a, um, coming in at Man United. Um, I think Arsenal may do it this this season. That just just to give you a, a definite answer. Um, but but as as we all know, it's never predictable, is it? <laughs> Hopefully none of it's going to be predictable, but it'd be a, a less exciting podcast this week if if it was all nice and predictable. I think it's going to be really wide open. I think previous years we've had two teams going for it. When it comes to the end, we've had teams running away with it. I can see it being three or four even right to the end. I think no one's mentioned Liverpool. I think Liverpool might fall away a little bit. They've got the Champions League to worry about, and obviously losing Suarez is going to be a big loss for them. Um, I think Arsenal are going to go really close this year. I think Sanchez is one of the best signings uh, in the league. But I, I'm with James. I think Chelsea are the team to beat this year. I think the the weaknesses that they've had, they've not had a goal scorer. I think Diego Costa fills that. Fabregas is a wonderful player. I think he's going to make a big difference in their midfield. They're already tight at the back. And they've got two goalkeepers pretty much better than any other goalkeepers in the league. So, yeah, I think Chelsea are the team to beat. Hopefully they'll get off to a bad start to the season at Turf Moor on Monday night, though. Um, so with the title done and dusted, who else is going to be in the Champions League? The the race for the top four, as Sky Sports insist on calling it. Um, if you're tipping Chelsea, James, who, who's going to miss out on the title, and who else is in the, who else is in your top four? I think this is possibly the the hardest bit to pick. I mean, the the title. There's a few teams that you think could be in the race, but I think when you look at it. Um, you know, it comes down to the mental side of it, and that's what I think Chelsea sort of really edge out. But there's plenty of teams there with quality. Obviously, Arsenal, um, Liverpool, maybe a little bit less so now. Obviously, they've lost Suarez, but um, the rest of the side were no slouches last season either. Um, and then obviously you've got Man City and uh, Manchester United. They can come back to the fore, and uh, you know you've even got Tottenham who's sort of sniffing around that part of the league. Um, but I think, you know, you can't really look past Manchester City and, and Arsenal uh, being, you know, between second and third. And I think Manchester United obviously will bounce back and uh, I think they'll get fourth. It, it It's going to be fascinating, isn't it? I mean, people have talked about the big four and that didn't include Liverpool for a long time, but they forced their way back in. Obviously, Manchester United had such a bad year last year, but everyone expects them to be better. Um You've probably got seven teams, haven't you, that are going to be competing for that four. Which four do you think are going to be in there, Kevin, considering you've gone for Arsenal to win the league? Uh, yeah, I was just about to make the same point you just made, really, because the last few years we've had, we have had a, a top a top four 
well, big four. Now we've kind of got a big five with with Liverpool having such a strong season last season. I mean, obviously, we've also got the, the likes of Everton and Tottenham who are always trying to push their way into there. Um, I think it'll be a little stretch too far, especially with, I think last season was quite a weird one, especially with the likes of United being pretty terrible last season. Um, I think the top four will probably be the same teams as this year. Um, although United is that wild, that wild, that kind of wild team where where they, they could make it um, into the top four, but I think they might just miss out on and finish fifth because I still don't think they've got masses of quality in there compared to the other teams around them. It's so difficult to call Manchester United, isn't it? Because I think it's going to be really important for them that they're not in Europe at all. I think we'll see them just being able to concentrate on domestic matters. I think they'll be a totally different proposition. But like you say, the, the squad still looks pretty thin in some really key areas. Van Gaal wants them to play uh, three centre-backs, doesn't he? So it's a big change of system as well. And I'm not sure he's got the personnel to do that. So it could go quite wrong. But he's such a good manager, you you wonder if he's going to make it work anyway. On paper, their start to the season looks incredibly straightforward. They couldn't really ask for a nicer for six games or so. Obviously, well, they've, got well, to to the, they've got to come to the turf, which exactly, you'd hope, yeah. you'd hope would be tough, but I think Man United fans will be looking at getting at least 15 points out of those six games, so they could be in a good position after the first few weeks. Adam, what's your top four? It's kind of a bit annoying being being the last to be asked the question because everyone says what you want to say before you. Uh, <laughs> I'll mix it up for, for the next few questions so you get to go first. Thanks. I I um I agree with everyone before saying it's uh, it's quite complicated and and hard to to predict um because of United. Um I think it will be the same top 4 as last season again. I think Maybe, so you and possibly. you and Kevin have, <laughs> you and Kevin are saying the same thing. You're saying City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal. Uh, I think I think it might be wide open this time. I think it's so hard to cut. I think it will be from that seven. I can't see anyone else forcing the way up there. But I, I just don't. It it just doesn't all fit for me. I I can't see Man City not being in the top four. I can't see Chelsea not being in the top four. I can't see Arsenal not being in the top four. I think Man United will get in the top four which means Liverpool aren't going to be in the top four, but I think they will as well. So, <laughs> You've got to give an answer. You can't I know, force it, an I'm answer just saying it, then... I'm just saying it doesn't seem to fit, but I'm going to say Liverpool will be the team that miss out just because Suarez is going to be such a, a big loss for them and playing the Champions League football. I'm not convinced by a lot of the players they've brought in either, so I wonder if they've done a Spurs, like last year when Spurs lost Gareth Bale and brought in five or six players to try and replace him and it didn't really work out just because they weren't the right quality. So yeah, it might be tricky for Liverpool this year. I'm going to say Man United get up in that top four, but Everton, I think Everton will be strong again. Buying Lukaku is a real statement from them, so I wouldn't rule them out either, but it's, it's going to be tough. I think that top seven, it could be any of them. But I'm going to say Man United replace Liverpool. Um, so the next one, to the other end of the table, the bottom three, I'm sure Burnley will come up in some mentions for this question. Um, Adam, we'll start with you then, so you get to go first this time. Who, who's your three to go down? Um, not Burnley. Just to, be, <laughs> just to put that out there. So West Brom... Maybe they, they've got Alan Irvine as their manager now, haven't they? And that struck struck me as very strange. Um, 
so I think they could struggle. Uh, I hope West Ham go down because I I just hate West Ham and um, they they struggled last season and didn't really show any signs of being excellent. Um, and the last one, I'll say QPR, just because it would be nice for all the the kind of praise that that comes round for for Harry Redknapp to just come and spit itself back in the faces of all those those um those people who love him so much. I'm glad you said QPR because I was preparing a little bit off the back of your answer. That's bad news for West related teams. You've got West Brom, West Ham and QPR playing West London, so that's that's bad news for the for Very, the West very teams. smooth. That was that was very tenuous. <laughs> it was incredibly tenuous, but it's the best I could do. It's the best I could do. <laughs> James, we'll do you next then. Who's your three to go? Um, I, I think this is tough. There's there's a few sides in there that um, over the last couple of seasons have at times looked like they might might slip down and and drop out of the league. Um, I think we won't be in the bottom three. I think uh, the same reason we got promoted will just about keep us up. Um, that that team spirit that's uh, so strong. Um, but I think there's a you know a few other teams that are at risk of going down who've maybe been there for quite a long time um, particularly sides like Villa who seem to have many sort of dodgy patches uh, throughout a season um, but I think to definitely go down probably West Brom um, Leicester and Hull City West Brom, Leicester and Hull I don't have a, a link for those three, I'm afraid. I'll try and come up with one for the next one. Kevin, what about your three? Um, if I was my preferred three, it would be uh, West Ham, um, Hull and QPR, because I, I don't like any of those teams. Um, I think if you're going logically, you've got to say, I mean, Burnley will obviously be one of the favourites to be involved bottom three, but similar to James, I think, I think we might just just edge it out by by goal difference or something like that. Uh, my tip for bottom three though probably going to be QPR, West Brom, and Hull. A lot of the same teams coming up, and I think mine are going to be fairly similar. Um, unfortunately, I'm going to put Burnley in my bottom three. I don't think we're going to have quite enough. It's going to be very tough. I think and I don't mind being the bad guy. I'll take the booze. Um, interestingly, I was reading something today that said, I think it's a few years since more than one promoted team went down. So, yeah, I, I think it might be us. I think QPR and Leicester will probably be all right. Um, I agree with all of you that West Brom are going to find it quite hard. I think Alan Irvine's a strange pick and they spent £10 million on a striker nobody seems to have heard of. So I think they're going to struggle. And my third team of Villa. I think Villa under Lambert have been dying to go down for the last couple of years, and I think it's about time they went. West Brom and Villa both struggled in the last couple of years, and I think they're both due for a relegation. So that's my three: West Brom, Villa, and Burnley. I think I think West Brom and Villa, are two of those sides who you don't just don't really know how they're still in the Premier League because. They always seem to have those terrible seasons. They always seem to have about four or five months in a season where they're absolutely atrocious. Yet somehow they, they manage to, to to stay there. Well, I was going to say this earlier. I was looking at the league table from last season. I was talking about that top seven. 
the league was almost three little mini leagues last year. There was the top seven all fighting for Europe and the title and whatnot. Then there was the the bottom eleven, which was any of them could have gone down if they had a bad run. And then Southampton ended up eighth, just on their own, miles clear of ninth, but well short of seventh. So. Yeah, it's interesting no one said Southampton, by the way. Obviously, they've lost a lot of players. They've got a new manager. Eighth, a long way to drop down, but... I think it's nearly impossible to predict what will happen to Southampton just because of how much upheaval they've had. But um, on what was said about Villa, I think they seem to be that sort of team that just define mediocre. They just seem to draw a lot, and then they get a couple of big wins. Uh, I think like they beat City at home last season. Um, and, and stuff like that and it, they, that seems to be how they survive just off a couple of fluky wins um, but I think it'd be interesting to see them go down since obviously they've been in the Premier League every season so far um, Would you would you be happy if Burnley were mediocre next season? Oh of course There we go, there um, we go. So you can't really blame for them You can't really blame, yeah, blame Villa but Just so neutral in the end, at the end of the season you just think, how did Villa end up you know, clear of the relegation zone when you can never really remember anything special about their season. They seem to have been dreadful for the last two years, Villa. The only reason they're still in the Premier League is there's been even worse teams. Like the league table, obviously you could say though the league table doesn't lie and I'm I'm doing air quotes with my fingers as I'm saying that, but the league table is is basically a snapshot of thirty eight games, so it's only the same as any league table after any weekend. It's a snapshot of how it was then. It's just it's the last one. So, for for example, Hull finished 16th last season, but most people would say they had quite a good year. And Sunderland finished 14th, and most people would say they had a terrible year. So it just goes to show how your form at the end of the season can have a massive impact on your, your league placing, whereas Sunderland were only safe with a couple of games to go because they got a couple of improbable results and Conor Wickham started scoring. Hull were safe with weeks to go but had an FA Cup final so they took the foot off and ended up 16. So, yeah, yeah, it can have a massive difference. But it's also down to perception. Like in the media, Sunderland are getting so much more um, more attention. So you, yeah. you, your mind instantly thinks that they're, they're, being, they're, they're worse than, um, than Hull and Hull had a like they were, they were rarely covered from my experience last last season. So it does come down to how how you. Yeah, well, it's it's all perception, isn't it? And it's expectations as well. Obviously, Hull were new to the Premier League and not really fancied to do that well, and they had a, a really good year in the end to survive and get to the FA Cup final. It's outstanding. Sunderland have just been trying to trying to survive. It's like what strikes me trying to look at other teams apart from Burnley who are going to be scrapping. It could be pretty much anyone from that bottom half, I think. So, yeah, it, it anything could happen. I think Crystal Palace are one of those teams that I think will probably be all right. But if you even talk to Palace fans, they'd be quite happy if you said they'll stay up now. And Palace finished 11th last season. So it just shows how the league at the minute, half the teams are quite happy just to stay up. So it'll be a, a scrap as normal down there. It'll probably go down to the last weekend, but... Yeah, I think we're going to find it a little bit tough. We'll move on to the next question. Now, go on, if you've got one final point. Yeah, sorry, just on that Villa thing, I was going to say, I've just looked at their results from last season at home. I mean, their record was pretty dire. Uh, They won six times. But in those games, they beat Chelsea and they beat City. Um, Which, 
if you did that in a season, you'd be you'd be pretty pleased. And one of the four away wins was at um, uh, sorry at Arsenal. So um, that's a couple of good wins to get when the rest of the games you've been pretty dire against the teams around you. I'm sure we'll come on to this when we talk about Burnley in more detail later, but it it all depends whether you'd rather have those big glory moments when you beat the big teams or is it more important to beat the teams that are around you in the league? I think that was probably one of the problems Burnley had last time they were in the Premier League. We lost to teams like Portsmouth and Wigan and beat Man United at home. You'd probably swap those results now if you could, but would you want to give away that night when we beat Man United? A night match at Surf Mall was a special one, so yeah, interesting. We'll come back to that a little bit later in the show. Next question: the sack race. I think we've already touched on Villa. Paul Lambert, I'm sure, will get mentioned quite a lot in this. I think a few managers are going to start under pressure, which is bizarre. Mark Robbins, of course, left Huddersfield after one game at the start of the football league season, which is absolutely crazy. But that, that's the era we live in. Adam, we'll come to you first on this one. Who's going to be first out the door? Um, I think. Sam Allardyce was under pressure for most of last season from West Ham fans. They really, they really don't like him. Um, and uh, I've seen a few rumblings that he's he's going to go like earlier on in the summer. Um, so I think if West Ham don't start off really well, then Sam Allardyce will will win the sack race. It's a really weird weird thing to win, by the way. <laughs> it is, isn't it? I think it's the sack race. I think it only became a thing because of of gambling it was just another market that the bookies sort of manufactured a whole thing about and everyone talks about the sack race like it's this congratulations i know it's like you've lost your job (laughs) you were the first one to get a sight because you were rubbish well done yeah allardyce there was that thing earlier in the summer weren't there when david gold accidentally favorited a fan's tweet saying sack allardyce or something and the media was like oh it means he's gonna sack him like (laughs) No, he just pressed the wrong button on Twitter. I do it every day. <laughs> like, yeah, totally bizarre. I suppose that's just how things are now. Um, James, what about you? The sack race. Who are the contenders and who's going to be the one? I think there's you know, a few people in the mix for this, as there always seems to be. Um, and I think a few are from sort of sides that we've mentioned previously. I think Paul Lambert um, is sort of entering a make-or-break season where, like we said, he's been distinctly average um, for a while and now you get into a position where the obviously the uh, the, the club ownership have uh, bought into his sort of long-term vision for quite a while now and I think this is sort of the point where you want to start seeing delivery of results from that um, so I think that definitely puts him sort of on the chopping block uh, if he doesn't get off to a good start um, Obviously, there's, there's another couple of people in there. Sam Allardyce, like uh, Adam mentioned, um, hasn't really warmed himself to the fans. Um, and David Gold is probably the type of person to take uh, the fans' hatred and try and turn it into a positive for him by getting rid of someone like that. Um, and I, th- I think there's probably another couple of names in there, but I think you could probably go through half the league with the way football managers sort of get <laughs> chopped and changed these days. Absolutely true. Um, but, you know, Poirier at Sunderland's probably not on the strongest ground. Um, pick one. Who's your pick? First to go. I think it could be Alan Irvine because 
I think they could find themselves bottom of the league very quickly. Um, and that would enforce a, an early departure for him. I, I agree, Irvine's certainly going to be on, on on dodgy ground. I think he's, he's such a sort of left-field pick that I don't think the fans are that convinced. And if, if he doesn't have a good start, it could get quite ugly there. Um, you've covered quite a few of the of the leading candidates. I'm just looking at the odds now. Allardyce is quite clear favourite with most of the bookies. Paul Lambert's up there, Irvine up there. Alan Pardew at Newcastle, he's probably been um, close a few times, but if they weren't going to sack him when you head-butted an opposition player, it was probably going to be all right for a bit longer. Um, Gary Monk at Swansea as well, I think. He was another it was slightly surprising choice and fans could get a bit upset if it starts going wrong, although he was a player there, so I don't know if that buys him a bit of extra time. Even Koeman at Southampton, who's obviously brand new there, Southampton, it, it, anything could happen at Southampton. We've got absolutely no idea what's going to happen. Um, Sean Dyche is actually about halfway up the market, which is probably just an indication that the bookies expect us to stick with him. Um, would you say that's fair, Kevin? Do you think Dyche would stick? The board's not going to sack Dash. Whatever happens, is it? It's more a case of Dash will go somewhere else. Uh, yeah, I think we've we've got quite a good record with managers. I think Laws is probably the only manager who we've got rid of quite relatively quickly. Um, that was still he still had a year with us, and that's quite long by uh, managers' terms at the moment. Um, I think I'm probably going to go to go first. Perhaps Nigel Pearson, just because there's always one promoted team who starts off badly and then the, the board think, uh, forget everything what he's done previously and get rid. So I'm going to go uh, for Pearson at, at Leicester. Yeah, I think he's an interesting shout as well. I think they've got, it's a bit of a cliche, isn't it? And it's maybe a little bit almost racist, but they've got foreign owners who might be a bit quick to, to pull the trigger. You never know. Uh, the bookies have met Redknapp, the favourite of the, the three promoted managers to go first, followed by Pearson and then Dyche. It's all pretty close, though. They're not really in the leading bunch. Um, safest managers, according to the bookies, um, Arsene Wenger, Brendan Rodgers, Louis van Gaal, Roberto Martinez. Pretty much you'd expect those to be fairly safe. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to go for Lambert. I think Villa fans are sick of him. I think they've been so bad in the last two years, it's a surprise he's lasted this long. I think the only thing that complicates matters of Villa is the, the owner's trying to sell up, isn't he? Randy Lerner, he's had enough. He's trying to get rid, so it might be a case of he doesn't want to sack the manager and then the, the new guy coming in has to deal with somebody else. So it might be a case of whether they can sell the club, then they'll probably get rid of him. But yeah, I think Lambert's going to be on the chopping block before too long. Uh, so the next question, we've done the sack race, we've done the league, we've done the bottom three and the top four. So the next one is the Cups. Obviously, Cup football is pretty much impossible to predict. But is it going to be the the usual candidates at the top of the league or will someone from mid-table have a bit of a Cup run? Adam, what are your thoughts on domestic success? Who's, who's, who's going to be lifting silverware come May and February or whenever the League Cup final is? I like how you say they're impossible to predict and then ask me to predict. <laughs> yeah, so predict it. <laughs> um, uh, I think one of the big teams will win the Carling Cup. Um, so let's say Man United. Just random punt. Um, FA Cup is usually 
uh, like a, a, a smaller club. Um, so are, are we meant to be picking from Premier League or are we, are we going the whole Football League pyramid? Uh, no, just the Cups, the FA Cup, the League Cup. Um, Otherwise we'll be here all day. No, I mean teams. Like, just whoever you think is going to win it, Adam. Come on, it's not—it's not a hard I'm, I'm question. I'm buying myself time here, all right? Yeah, if you think if you think Preston are going to win the FA Cup, you can say Preston. Um, I'm going to say Yeovil. <laughs> that's that's an Andy Devaney style style <laughs> prediction. That is. <laughs> just get, get out of it by being totally ridiculous. <laughs> James, have you got any more sensible answer than the one Adam just gave? The cup winners for this season. Um, I'm going to be a bit outlandish, and I say we could see a domestic treble. And I think ooh, Chelsea ooh. could have a clean sweep. Ooh, that's interesting. I think they've got a good enough side to put out a weakened team uh, in the in the Carling Cup and and still comfortably win it. Uh, and Mourinho's not really one to take big domestic uh, competitions like the FA Cup. Uh, lightly, and I think um, you know they could add another one to the to the impressive notch of FA Cups recently. Yeah, Mourinho does seem to set the the cups a bit more seriously than a lot of the the other big name managers, doesn't he? So that's an interesting one. Um, I'm going to say, sorry, go on. And I was just going to say, and I think you're not going to see many teams from sort of the bottom half challenge. I think it was Lambert last season who said that they had no interest in the cup and put out a weak inside. Um, and I think when you're Aston Villa, the only thing you're ever going to win is one of the Cups so if they can't be bothered trying I mean who else can well this is that I mean you understand that, that Premier League survival is the main thing but you had teams like Newcastle putting out reserve teams for home games against Cardiff last year and then getting beat I think that was pretty ridiculous when Newcastle were going to be in the top half anyway it's like try and win a cup like that's what people are going to remember that's what gets people excited about football it, Putting out these reserve teams when you're pretty much safe is ridiculous. Um, yeah, I mean, um, if you look at it, Harry Redknapp got away with bankrupting and relegating aside practically, but he won an FA Cup, so it's all right, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly, which means he's got a better record than all these managers who haven't won anything yet. I hate it when they do that, I really hate it. Um, I was talking to Dan from Baggy Facts actually uh, the other night, and he was saying he really hopes West Brom prioritise a cup this season just because he wants a bit of glory. and we're talking 38 game league seasons you should surely be able to play half a dozen cup matches on top of that it's not that big a stretch we played like 60 games or something when we got promoted on rolling coil and we were still going fine at the end it's all this talk about resting players i think it gets to be a bit much um my own tip for the fa cup is going to be manchester united i think with them not being in europe i think they're going to push really hard um in the cup competitions, and Van Gaal will really, really want to get some silverware in his first season. Um, although, obviously, Moyes won the Community Shield, and that didn't seem to do him a lot of good, so not necessarily everything there. Uh, and the League Cup, I think, it might come from somewhere a bit different. I think Everton might go far in that one. Even though they've got Europa League to worry about, I think Martinez is such a good manager, I think he'll squeeze a lot from his players, and he's got cup success already on his CV after the surprise win Wigan got against Man City, so yeah, I'm tipping Everton for the League Cup, Manchester United for the FA Cup. Kevin, you're last to answer this question. You're two cup winners. Um, maybe biased because I live in Liverpool, but I think the two Liverpool clubs are going to win both the Cups, um, one each. Everton will win one, 
uh, and Liverpool will win one. I think Liverpool might be a little bit hungry for some, a bit more hungry for success uh, after something coming so close last year. Uh, and I think Everton are really on a high as well. They really want to build on last season. Um, and whereas they probably won't break into the top four, what they can do is go and win a cup. Um, so that's what they'll do this season. Um, and slightly such more, what, what you were just saying then about kind of wanting teams to, to go for the glory and about wanting to win things. I think a really good point about that is how, um, you know, Burnley have had all this success, you know, being in the Premier League and things like that, but I still hear people going on raving about, you know, the Sherpa Van Trophy and whatever it's called, <laughs> it used to be called. And it, it, it's, it fades, in, if you, you know, if you're talking about this league at all costs, it fades into insignificance at all the recent success we've had in the league. But it is, it is supposed it's, it is something special about seeing your team win the trophy because it means you're, you're the best at something. And even if it is something as pointless and stupid as the Sherpa Van Trophy or whatever it's called these days, it, it, it still gets you excited. It still means something. It's still something to be proud of. Um, and like I said, finishing one place high in the Premier League is a bit of a yawn fest in, in comparison, I think. I think you're absolutely right. I think if you ask Wigan, it'd be interesting to ask Wigan fans, wouldn't it? Because they got relegated and won the FA Cup in the same season. And people always ask the question, would you rather win the FA Cup and, or stay in the Premier League? And I, For teams like Wigan, who are always going to be scrappy, to take the relegation but have that day at Wembley when you beat Man City and you win the FA Cup, like they'll never forget that. Whereas staying up again and then scrapping to stay up again the next season. What's the point in that? It's just living in the same situation year by year. So, yeah, I really I think... hope a lot of the teams go for the Cups this year because it's such a good opportunity. They all, a lot of the managers underrate what a Cup run can do. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's one of those things where in in, in 20 years' time, you're going to be telling your kids, you know, I saw my team win at Wembley. Yeah, you're exactly. not going to be saying, you're not going to be saying, I saw my team um, finish ninth instead of 10th instead of, um, last season. Yeah, exactly. Remember that time when we didn't go down on the last day and Hull went down instead? No, because the year after that we were trying to stay up on the last day as well. It's absolutely bonkers. Anyway, next question. We're getting towards the end of the predictions now, so if, if you are still listening and you're a bit bored of them, I do apologise. We'll round it up quite quickly. Um, top scorer. Some big new names in the Premier League this season. We'll go through some of the candidates. Diego Costa, brand new to the Premier League. Alexis Sanchez. Another who could be in there. Obviously, there's the same old faces: Van Persie, Rooney, Aguero, uh, even Jekyll at the big clubs. Daniel Sturridge, James. Who's your tip for the Golden Boot? Um, I think if he can stay fit, um, Aguero is is my top pick. Um, I think I think Costa will score plenty at Chelsea, but um, they've still got a few strikers there and. Mourinho doesn't necessarily seem to be one to stick with the same guy every game. So I think it does sort of naturally interrupt strikers' rhythms of getting a, a, a string of goals together. Um, so if Aguero stays fit, I really can't see you know anyone matching his kind of goal-scoring pace. Big if, isn't it, with Aguero, though? It's always the case. It's all about fitness with him. Adam, what about you? Golden boot pick. Um, I, I think Rooney's in for a shout this season because he's been given the, the permanent captaincy by Van Gaal and pictures from pre-season show him he seems to be happy and I think that was the problem uh, over the last few seasons he's um he's got he's been so unhappy and and a bit disillusioned with everything that he's not actually played that well so so maybe Rudy could be in for a bit of a, a comeback and and get the top scorer who knows 
It, yeah, if, if Man United have a good season, you don't expect Rooney to do well, so it probably depends how well they do, I suppose. Um, Kevin, top goal scorer is your show. Um, I think if Rooney wins top scorer, I'll, I'll commit myself to singing a song on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I wondered what you were going to say then. I'll, I'll... <laughs> You'll sing a because, song on the podcast, right? Okay. I'm glad this is all recorded. Think, now, now I hope, now I hope that kind of happens just to to see Kevin embarrassed <laughs> or hear him, in fact. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um. Head probably seen um Aguero as well. If 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 like if we've said you know if everything comes off, um just to be just to say something different and go a little bit uh, left field. I'm going to say I'm going to say Sturridge. Um. If that depends on Liverpool having a having a good season, and maybe because um, Suarez is gone, he might be a bit more of a main man there up front, and he's English and be a bit patriotic and what the hell. Let's just say Sturridge. <laughs> I, I think you've done really a bit of a disservice. There. I'm, I'm very tempted by Rooney myself. I think. I think, but I don't think he, I don't think he's a goal scorer. I think he's a, I think he's a lot better player than a lot of people give him credit for, but I don't think he's ever going to be one of those players who gets you 40, 30, 35 goals this season. That's true. He's not, he's not really been hugely prolific, has he? No, I think he's overrated, past it, and the most overpla- overpriced, overpaid player in the league. That's interesting. I was talking to someone in the pub yesterday who was claiming Ashley Cole was uh, shit, which was quite interesting. A player with over 100 caps for his country and Widely and who should have gone as... to the World Cup this se- this year? Yeah, certainly could make a case. That widely regarded as one of the best modern left backs in the world, and yeah, someone in the pub just said he was shit. So, just shows what opinions are all about, doesn't it? But yeah, Rooney, Rooney seems to be a bit of a mark mark player, doesn't he? People think he's either really good or a bit rubbish. Um, I think it's really tough to call Golden Boot this year. My own bets have been Hazard and Yaya Torre, which are more each way type picks, but. Yeah, it's t- I've got reservations over a lot of the a lot of the leading candidates. I think Costa at Chelsea depends how he settles. Van Persie, you worry about his fitness. Aguero, you worry about his fitness. Sturridge, you wonder how he's going to adapt to not having Suarez laying him on a plate for him. Rooney, you never know quite what's going to happen with him. And then you're looking at players like Jekyll, Lukaku, Giroud. Like, are they going to be top scorer in the league? I'm not really sure. So I'm going to go with Adam, actually. I'm going to say Rooney, I think. He'll play every week this year because there's no reason to, to rest him for Europe or anything. And I think he's he's got that fire back in his belly and I think that's absolutely vital for Wayne Rooney. So I think he's going to have a big year and I'm going for Wayne Rooney. Um, no one mentioned Danny Ings because we don't have Andy on the podcast. So I'll just throw that out there. If Andy was on the podcast, he would have said Danny Ings will win the Golden Boot and score 100 goals. So there. <laughs> we've done yeah, Andy's I'll, job for him there. I, I was about to throw Marvin Sordell into it. <laughs> Oh, Jokovic might be worth an each way shout, you know, six in six in pre season. Do you not think he's odds will be quite tasty? Nobody wants to take up that one, fair enough. Um right, we've talked enough about other clubs now, so how are Burnley gonna get on? Obviously it's it's gonna be tough. We've not spent a lot of money. It's the Premier League, the best teams in the world, the best players in the world, the best managers in the world. It's gonna be a challenge. But how are we gonna get on, James? Um, this is really hard to to sort of say. I think we'll survive by the skin of our teeth and finish 17th. Um, I think in the end, what will get us over the line is the same spirit that saw us um, get promoted. Um, I think if you look at the last time we were in the Premier League, 
the, the players we had and how close we came. You know, if you win either of those Wigan games, either home or away, and both of them were pretty dodgy defeats. Uh, you know, obviously the first one, uh, Jensen's famous flop to the floor, injured. Um, and obviously the away game hitting the bar and then coming to the other end and scoring straight after. Uh, I think our side's a lot better than it was last time. Um, you know, if you particularly if you look in midfield, the sort of Premier League experience that's already there. Um, I've, I just fancy us to to be more consistent over the whole season rather than just starting out really well at home and then our away form eventually dragging us down like last time out. It's almost impossible to predict anything, isn't it? We said that right at the top of the podcast, but yeah, there's so many variables that play. Like last time, who would have predicted? With the start of the season so well, and then Owen Coyle walks out, and we get Brian Laws. Like it's just too ridiculous to even predict, isn't it? So, yeah, as long as we don't get Brian Laws in the middle of the season, I'll be quite happy. Um, Adam Burnley, you tipped us to stay up earlier, didn't you? Is it going to be a case of last weekend needing to get a result at Villa? Um, I'm going to be an optimist and say we'll finish in fifteenth place. So nice, nice. There we go. We're, we're going to do question of the week um, next, but I, I don't think you're the most optimistic fan out there. Actually, there's some even more optimistic I'm people. Definitely not. <laughs> Kevin, what about you? Um, it's a really weird one because I look at our team. I was doing our kind of 2009 versus 2013, 2014 earlier. I was looking at our team, and I, I'm thinking, okay, I think we're going to go down. But then I look at the team against 2009, and we, we really weren't that far off uh, four years ago. It was only kind of five points or something like that. And like like James said, the second half of the season um, was so, so disastrous, and there was a couple of results which were really key in the middle of the season. And I'm thinking, our team is a lot... Is, I think our team's a lot stronger now than it was back then. Uh, certainly first 11 anyway. And I think if they were so close, then why, why can't... Why could we not do it? Especially if we can keep, keep Dyche for the whole season. Um, like I say, we don't want to get in lows halfway through, but with that team spirit we've got, which which kind of gets us going through last season, especially with the with the relentless approach, because obviously I think a lot of the reasons you look at teams that have gone up and come down. Actually, the first half of the season's always been really good. So especially with us, we had a good start first half of the season. Blackpool, I think we were teetering on the European uh, points around around the Christmas time, but in the second half's always terrible. I think it's that kind of promotion on high in the first half, and the second half you. Just think, okay, it's, it's just it's just the day job now. Whereas, hopefully, we can keep bring that relentless one game at a time approach and keep it going through throughout next season, so we can be a lot more consistent and not fall away. Um, so that's a long way of saying that I think we'll um, we'll just about stay up. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So after all that, you said exactly the same as as, as James Bird, and yeah, you, you came across quite a lot like Sean Dyche. You were basically reeling out a lot of his favourite lines at one point there. I think coming from what Kev said there as well, last time out, if you look at what we did away from home, um, there was just no way we were going to stop up if we didn't eventually get something away from home. Because I think eventually that plays on you mentally um, when you're coming out of home as well. Uh, but as well as the fact I think we will get something away from home, I think uh, Dash and the manager who let the players sort of get down if they can't get uh, you know results away from home. I think that's going to be absolutely key, isn't it? I think last season when we had when we had little sticky patches and they were only really small bad pieces of form, 
we always seem to respond really well to that. So if we can do that again this season, because there are going to be times where we can't get points in little runs of even three or four games, there's going to be times where it looks like we're absolutely doomed. It's going to be how we respond to that, to all the negativity that comes there when everyone's written you off completely, when everyone's already decided you've been relegated at Christmas. It's how we respond to those testing periods that's going to be key for me. And I think, I don't want to get into like conspiracy theories about the fixture list or anything because at the end of the day, you play everyone twice, it doesn't make that much difference to me. But the start of the season looks really tough. Obviously, Chelsea, Man United, the first two home games, wouldn't necessarily expect anything from that. Swansea way stuff as well. And I, I think you really want to be able to carry on that momentum if you can from promotion. So I'd really like us to have a, a slightly more straightforward home game early, just to make sure we've got something on the board. Whereas from most three games, you'd probably be quite happy if we've got anything. So I'm worried that we're going to be chasing teams from the start. And the end of the season looks tricky as well. I think four of the last six are away. Last three, last four, even going as far back as the last five, Leicester at home, West Ham away, Hull away, Stoke at home, Villa away. There's probably going to be some six-pointers in there. Games that we really are going to have to win if we're going to stop up. So it's it's going to be the fine margins and... Like Kevin said, we're going to have to be relentless, go every game, <laughs> one game at a time, all, all the old dieisms. Yeah, so yeah, I, th- I think we're probably not going to quite have enough. I think we'll be 18, uh, give it a good go. But yeah, yeah I'm predicting um, relegation, but with a fight, unfortunately. So yeah, I'm quite happy to be the the. the I think saying that, that though, our fixtures last time, um, the first two home fixtures were Manchester United and Everton. True, and we won them both. Who would have predicted you, you, that? So you wouldn't have said before the season, oh, this is the kind of home games we can get momentum from, but we did. Um, just, I think, obviously got deflated when uh, that disallowed goal against Arsenal denied us a win there. Yeah, I yeah. think home I think... form is obviously going to be vital as well. Last, last time you, you talked about the away record, which was obviously shocking, and we'll have to improve on that, but we want to try and keep the turf a fortress it was March wasn't it the first time we lost at home last season it's asking a lot to do something like that again but if we can beat teams at home especially teams that are going to be at the bottom with us then that's going to be vital Kevin I think you were about to come in uh, I was just going to say kind of what you were saying a minute ago about I'm going to say the, uh, the dreaded B word now but that kind of bounce back ability Ugh. yeah sorry <laughs> I, uh, that's probably my retirement from the podcast uh now after saying that word, but um, I, I remember writing something about around Christmas time about how I picked out our four biggest results from the first half of the season, and they'd all followed disappointments. So one of them was um, kind of we'd got beaten one game, we followed up with a big three nil win, um, and that kind of all our, our four biggest results in the first half of the season all followed big disappointments. And what you just said actually about. We're going to have a few of those disappointments in the Premier League, but being able to recover from them, that's such a really good point, which I'd not thought about. And, um, yeah, and I think that's another kind of thing we've got probably going in our favour with uh, with Sean at the helm. I think also, like, you don't really even want to comprehend it, but I think James touched on it. If Sean Dash stays for the whole season, our chance of survival is much better. But then you say he's more likely to go if we're doing quite well. So it's that sort of... It's a difficult one to judge because if we're like tenth at Christmas, there's obviously going to be teams trying to, to tempt him away. So I think a lot is going to depend on 
whether Dash is still around. I don't think we'd sack him, so I think it's a case of what offers he gets from other clubs and whether we can persuade him to stay, really. I think that's going to be absolutely key. That's pretty much it from the predictions. Like I say, keep your eyes out on the site for the next few days and we will have a piece up there with some of the writers' predictions as well and then you can join in. Uh, Next up is our question of the week and I will pass you over to Adam. What was the question of the week this week? Um, The question of the week is this week was where will Burnley end up next season? So pretty simple when we've already given our own answers. Um, I found that there were like three main answers that people gave to this. Like the first one is relegation. Um, Chris Buchanan said 19th. Um, He said with the current squad, we're going to struggle. So that's fairly comprehensive. Um, Ben uh, Peacock said um, that we'd go down as did Alex Henley. Um, and then there were the, the, the kind of vague optimists um, who said 17th, um, David Whitney, Paul Carter, and Andy Dewhurst, um, Richard Sutcliffe and Steve Robinson all predicted 17th. And then there were the really weird optimists. Um, we um, we touched on this earlier, um, but Zach McKenna said 15th, like I think I did. Um, At Happy in Days said 10th, which was the weirdest one that I saw. And uh, Paul Holt said 13th, and, and that's ab- about it for the, the question of the week responses for this week. My favourite one was actually from Zach Pierce, Zach Pierce 98 on Twitter, who said, not fuss as long as it's above the relegation zone. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm pretty sure, yeah, yeah, exactly. Pretty sure any we- fan would take that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just thought that one was worth adding to that as well. Um, one feature that we've got coming up on Nona Never, brand new for this season as well. Um, we're calling it NNN Call at the minute because we haven't come up with anything better, so that might be what it ends up being called. Um, Adam, we're going to try and explain what this is. It's sort of like a radio phoning, isn't it? But without the the radio bit. So after the game, what we want people to do is is ring the this number. E- explain to us what NNN Call is all about. Um, so we thought, because we're we're now pre-recording the podcast and we, we used to use all the live input, we um we were thinking how we could um keep that that fan um contribution to, to the podcast without them having to actually come on the podcast, and, uh, which is why we've been doing the question of the week as yeah. well. So this is this is sort of in addition to that. Yeah. Um. So I I thought, hey, we could go round the 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 ground after the game and with a microphone and ask people. And then Jamie suggested that we got people to ring a number and leave their message. Um, yeah, well, it's the internet now. You can do everything digitally. Yeah, so we've we've set up um, a number, which will be um, in, a, in a piece on the site soon, I assume. Um, and basically you ring up, you leave your thoughts on the game, and we'll compile them into a little package for the podcast and, yeah, put them, put them in the middle of things. Yeah, exactly. What's really key is that it's it, we want it to be a live reaction, don't we? So when you're in your car coming away from the game, that's when we want you to be on the phone to us. Not if you're driving, because that's unsafe. <laughs> but if if you're in traffic or something, it's probably okay. It's still illegal, but we'll, we'll let you off anyway. <laughs> we want you when you're coming away from the game. Is what I'm saying. When you're coming away from the game, that's when we want you to to call us. Call NNN, NNN, call whatever we're going to call it. <laughs> cool. There's a nice there's a nice little message from me, so it's worth calling the number just there that message. Leave your comments on the game. We'll edit them up, get them on a nice package on the site. And it'll be interesting to see um, what people are saying immediately after the game compared to us on the podcast who've had 
maybe a day or so to reflect. So, yeah, I'm hoping this is going to work really well. We'll get a piece on the site that explains it all a little bit better than we probably have just now. (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah, hopefully we'll get that up and running for the Chelsea game. I think it's a a Burnley number as well, so it it should be fairly easy to remember. And we'll get that one started. I can Um, give you the number now. If, if you yeah, want it. give us the number, then people it's... can dose it down. It's Burley number, so 01282. Yeah, uh, 570150. Well, we'll need like a jingle for that, won't we? So that'll be something to ask Thomas Pickles, our resident jingle maker. And, uh... <laughs> jingle maker? <The> <laughs> future Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, the future Doctor Who, Thomas Pickles, who we've had on the, the podcast before, I think, and he... He does the little A up bit A up. Here at the start of the podcast. A up, it's Tom. I, I think I tweeted about Thomas it. Pickles. <laughs> Recently, I, I live in Yorkshire, so A up, I see quite a lot. I saw a sign that said A up, and immediately I just thought, it's the Not Name Ever podcast. <laughs> I think I was on a bus at the time. It was so weird. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that, that number will work, and you'll be able to leave your messages, and we'll put them in the podcast. Yeah, exactly. So that's how it all works and we'll get a piece on the site. Just finally then for today's podcast, we've gone on a bit already, so we will try and keep this short. Um, Burnley's transfer market dealings seems to have gone quite quiet. I think it's about three weeks since Lukas Jokovic was signed. He was the last one. A couple of big targets still seem to be in the works, but with a week to go until the start of the season, it's probably too late to be getting people in the team for that first game. You would expect the first 11 now to be the team that started the, the Hellas Verona game. Um, so, yeah, Craig Dawson and Henry Lansbury are the ones that people keep talking about, but why have they gone so quiet? Is the team strong enough as it is? Do we still need to get people in? James, what are your thoughts on this? The Dawson and Lansbury ones in particular, it just seems like they've gone dead. Yeah, the Lansbury one's interesting because um, for a little while... It- it was in the paper, wasn't it? It was in the Times that it was basically done, and that was yeah. What, a few I mean, days it's ago? one that I think has been rumbling on for quite a while now. Um, you know, originally um, there was talk we were in for him. Uh, then he obviously got injured, and it was meant to be quite serious. Then all of a sudden, his injury wasn't that bad, um, but he was definitely staying at uh, Nottingham Forest. And then next thing you know, he actually is going again, and he's going to Burnley. Apparently, it's been agreed for three point five million. And that's what all the papers are saying, um, except a few of these, um, you know, Twitter transfer rumor accounts that are. Uh, yeah, a teenager in his bedroom. Pick, in his pick between, yeah, pick between very accurate or about as accurate as you know, sort of closing your eyes and flinging something out of your window. Um, say apparently Nottingham Forest want eight million, which. Having looked at uh, Forrest's other sales this summer, um, I don't think they want eight million for for Lansbury. Um, but from what obviously the the owner at Forrest has said, it looks like he just wants Lansbury to make his mind up whether he's either going to take the deal that's on the table to stay or leave. So um, it's anyone's guess, but cause it's been quiet for a few days now. So don't know whether. Is anything going to happen there? And then obviously with Dawson, I think um, I don't know how much of it is definitely us being as interested as we hear. Obviously, the local press there have talked a lot about us making offers, but we haven't really heard too much up here. So, is it really a case of we're about five hundred k away from what they want, or 
did we give up bidding on him quite a while ago? I'm not really sure. The Dawson one seems so strange, doesn't it? Because it's it seems like ages ago now, and it, it was. It was right in the middle of the summer when I think there was a report in one of the local papers in the Midlands saying the asking price was about two and a half million, and the last reported bid I think has been over two million. So yeah, we don't seem to be that far away. But yeah, maybe our interest has already gone. But I don't think we've been reported to be linked with anyone else, have we? So surely we'd have moved on to another target. And same with Lansbury, he's the only one we've really heard. Him and Nathaniel Shalabar, the, the young lad at Chelsea, is another who's been in the papers. They're the ones that um, we can fairly safely say we have been interested in because they've been reported so widely. But Dash is one of these. He keeps his cards close to his chest, doesn't he? He's not going to say anything about a player. Remember last summer? Remember last summer when David Jones played in all the friendlies and everyone knew he was signing for us, but <laughs> he was playing in friendlies and Dash was still saying, ah, we'll, we'll just have to see, we'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, quite a few people have obviously pointed out Dash likes to do business in private. Um, it's probably the best way to do it. Uh, how easy it is to do it that way these days, I'm not sure, but he, he does like to do you know, do things in private and reveal once he's he's got the result he wants. One today, actually, um, in some of the newspapers is Adrian Mariapa, former Watford player, I assume, was there under Daesh as well. Um, seems to be surplus to requirements at Palace. He's moved a couple of times in the last couple of years. He was at Reading before that. Um, apparently sent back by a trade who can also play right back, so maybe that's an interesting link. You'd think he'd Suits be cheaper the, uh, than Dawson. It does suit the, the Daesh mould as well, I think, in, in that he's... He's he's well. He knows Dyche, which if if he was Dyche signing, <laughs> yeah, he's so, for him before. So yeah, yeah. Be on the list. he's he's got that versatility which Dyche likes, uh, but also he's got that he's got. It seems like he's got a point to prove, which again a lot of Dyche's signings seem to have that. Whereas he's 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 been kind of brought up for his talent before, but then kind of fallen away a little bit with a few moves and really he's failed to settle anywhere and make a big impact there. Whereas um, you, you look at players like um, Luke the Duke, I'm not going to say his name, and things players like Sordell, um, also like you know Heaton and Arfield and a few players like that last season. Um, he seems to like that player who who has shown a bit of talent before, but has kind of fallen off a little bit, and now he can bring him in, give him that chance to shine, and hopefully it all works out. So I think he does kind of fit that that dice mold of the player he likes to bring in. Yeah, Mariapa. I don't remember him ever being a. A player of sort of big reputation. I was a bit surprised when he left Watford because he seemed quite solid and reliable, and it just seemed like he was going to be there for a long time. But he's not really held down a place that regularly at Reading or Palace. So yeah, maybe he's in this category of players who are, are good. It's one of those boys, but, isn't he? Yeah, but not quite Premier League class. It's interesting though, and yeah, it's it might be a case of we've decided Dawson's going to be too much, so it's, it's moving on to somebody else. Um, just We've talked about Lansbury. It was interesting to see Forrest. Obviously, Forrest have sold players as well this summer, but they spent £5.5 on Brit Asombolonga, which is a very fun name to say, um, Brit Asombolonga, the Peterborough United striker from League One. They spent £5.5 million on a League One striker, and that's more than we spent on players all summer. So it kind of shows what sort of league we're operating in financially. Um, 
Adam, the transfer dealings haven't been massively exciting, have you? Do you think there's more to come, or is it now going to be a case of we're going to work with what we've got? I think it would be massively embarrassing for the club um, if there weren't any more. It's just simply because they they basically promised more signings. Um, Dasha said he's, um, he's there's a few more, like he's working on a few more, and and who said that it looks manageable the situation? Um, so if we don't sign anyone, then surely that's got to reflect badly on on the club. Um, even if we are like okay in the in the opinion of of Daesh, there's been a lot of like um, conspiracy theories that we're not actually in in for any players, and it's it, it's just like there needs to be some some kind of appreciation for how hard um, transfers are to get right. Um, I think it's easy for us for us as fans to just. Um, want signings and want them now and wonder why, where they've gone wrong but there's there's usually always like an intrinsic reason for things not happening um and even when things aren't happening they probably still are happening uh inside inside the club um so yeah um i think there will be more just simply because it's um it, it, it's kind of been promised by by those at the club i think it's difficult isn't it because Obviously, all this happens behind the scenes. Dash isn't the sort of person who's going to uh, tell the press exactly what's going on with all these deals. Um, I've been as frustrated as anyone this summer with the lack of activity and on some of the bigger deals, particularly the Dawson one. He seems to have been the main defensive target. We seem to have been after him for weeks. And the asking price, if it is $2.5 million, even if it's $3 million, it doesn't seem uh, too much to me. I mean... Obviously, armchair supporters, it's easy to say, like, oh, this player's worth this much. And these these are still big money deals for, for Burnley Football. For £3 million for a defender, that's as much as we paid for a striker before. So it's it's difficult to just say we should go out and spend this money. And I wouldn't want us to just spend the money for the sake of spending the money either. I was making a point today about Lansbury saying, yeah, he's a good player, and yes, he'd improved the squad, but... Is he gonna play every week? And if he's not, is four or five million a hell of a lot of money to pay for someone who's gonna be on the bench a lot of the time? It's it's this sort of balance that it's difficult to get right. And also the more I think about it, even though I'm still a bit annoyed that we haven't really invested in players as much as I'd have liked, I think the players from last year deserve the opportunity as well. I've seen some comments today about Michael Duff. Someone described him as a walking disaster against quick attackers which I thought was absolutely ludicrous obviously Duff's not the quickest defender in the world but this is a guy who's played for us for 10 years you can count on one hand the number of times he's let us down last year even at 36 he was as good as he's ever been and people are writing this guy off I mean yeah we should have signed a defender by now but it's really unfair to talk about Duff in those terms I think so even if it is an 11 that's basically the same as it was last season. I don't think that's particularly disastrous. I think it's just a shame that we don't seem to have invested the money in players and that's the only way you move forward as a club in the end. I think one player who might have been interesting was Callum Wilson, the striker who went to Bournemouth. Obviously, Eddie Howe knows how to pick a striker. We've seen that before. They lost... Um, the chap Graben didn't he? Who scored quite a few goals last season? He moved on, and Wilson seems to be the next in line there, and he's already got a couple in the championship. So yeah, maybe Callum Wilson was one we could have looked at. Um, 
James, just on, on Duff, finally, we do need to round off soon because we've been going on for quite a while. Um, if we don't get a defender in, is is Duff going to be good enough? Do you think we do need to get a replacement in or would you be quite happy if Duff plays the whole I think it's hard to say. He's, he's clearly got a good good footballing brain. Um, his, his pace is an issue, but it's only an issue if you don't play him with the right person. I think Shackle can cover for Duff's lack of pace. Um, and I think that's always the way it works out. If you have one defender who's you know got a great football in mind but maybe doesn't have the pace and the other defender maybe doesn't have as good a football in mind as him but has you know oodles of pace, he's going to make up for, for that shortfall. And I think we have got that at the turf. Um, but I think durability at his age, um, obviously he's had a long career. He's had a few serious injuries in the past, particularly uh, obviously the cruciate knee ligament injury he had while he was at Burnley uh, early in his career. Well, at Burnley, um, and that—that's the kind of the thing that you think when you get to his age, the wear and tear on his body probably is mounting up, and there are injuries that are, I think, likely to happen at that sort of age, like you know, torn Achilles and things like that, that can just be bad luck rather than fitness. Recovery time does tend to be more of a problem, doesn't it, for, for the older players? You see these players get an injury that's normally a couple of weeks and then they're out for a month and they do sort of mount up. I, I would point out, Duff missed the start of last season, didn't he? But after that, he, he was pretty much ever-present. I think 42 appearances he ended up making. So he's probably as fit as he's ever been. Obviously, Dash does a hell of a lot of work on the fitness of the players. We saw last season we were probably the fittest team in the league. We'll probably be the same again this year. And I think the the sports science team don't they do a lot of work on reducing these these injuries. So I've I've got faith in Duff. I think he'll be absolutely fine. He's never let us down so far. Obviously, it's going to be tough when he comes up against like of Aguero and Sanchez and Sturridge. But whoever we sign, it's going to be difficult against those players. So I wouldn't get too worried about that. Michael Duff, ten years at the club. I just think everyone should uh, pay him a bit more respect as much as anything. Um, just finally then before we go because it has been quite a long podcast um, James you've been doing some charity bike rides that we'll let you do a, a quick plug for yeah I have indeed uh, early in the summer obviously I did the uh, Etat Pennines which was um, 62 very very hilly miles in the County Durham area um, and yesterday as we record it on Monday um, yesterday I did the Ride London uh, 100 um, which unfortunately was shortened by uh, the remains of Bertha hitting the, the south of England to 86 miles. But uh, I finished it in what I think is still quite a respectable uh, four hours and three minutes. It put me about 1,500 or something out of 20,000 people. So how so how, how can people donate? So um, I was raising money for Marie Curie Cancer Care. Uh, and if you'd like to donate um, to a very worthy cause, um, you can find my uh, Virgin Money Giving account at virginmoneygiving.com forward slash jamesbird23 Excellent, Excellent. Um, and any money would of course be massively appreciated. That's about all we've got time for um, this week thanks as ever to our sponsors Neville G without whom we would be unable to do the site we're always grateful for that um, our next podcast will be after the Chelsea game we normally record on a Monday night but obviously the game is Monday night so we'll record on Tuesday should be online Wednesday we will try and get um, those online as much as possible keep an eye on the site this week we've been doing the season previews club specific pre- season previews all 
for the last couple of weeks. They'll be rounding off Friday, Saturday, season starts on Saturday. Everyone's massively excited. And yeah, hopefully we'll have a, a good win against Chelsea to celebrate. Just finally then, predictions for the Chelsea game. We've done loads of predictions already, but we'll just round off with some very, very, very quick predictions. Adam, are we going to beat Chelsea on Monday night? Yeah, 2-1 to Burnley. 2-1, excellent. That's what I want to hear. Kevin, a win against Chelsea, yeah? 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 one old Taylor. Oh, dear. I mean, I'm going to be optimistic as well. and uh, We're going to shock them 1-0. Shock win. Is it going to be a Robbie Blake style special that we'll remember forever? It's going to be a we, tough we screamer. We dream, but to be honest, I'd <laughs> take it off uh, off the backside of Ben Mee. <laughs> the goal off the backside of Ben Mee. That would be one to have posters of, wouldn't it? That would be terrific. I'm going to go for a draw, I think. Uh, there'll be goals, I'm going to say, to all. So that is all we've got time for tonight. Thanks to um, the panellists Adam, Kevin and James if you do have any feedback at all about the podcast if you want to be a guest anything like that we've got a specific podcast email address it's podcast at net, or you can always tweet us as well at net. Uh so yeah thanks for listening and we'll be back next week bye away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for McDonald's maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.